Yeah. Yeah, I think that's looking pretty good, isn't it? You know, if you wonder, you might know somebody that is really passionate about their relationship with God and passionate about Jesus. And you look at them and you think, you know, I'd really like to be passionate like that myself. The thing is, it's coming to videos like this, Finger of God, that stirs passion in our hearts. It stirs it. And if, if I just hang back and, and all I do is come on Sunday morning, which I'm so glad you're all here. Welcome, by the way. Awesome to see you. But if, if that's all, then the passion is going gonna, is gonna to slip. And it's kind of like um, you, you see uh, telephone poles with telephone lines on them. And one Sunday would be one pole. What happens to the lines in between? It just dips way down. And then, and then to the, coming to things like this lights your heart up. It, it, get, it develops passion within you, as does School of Kingdom Ministry. And, and I would just encourage you, thinking about Sockham, People will spend thousands of dollars to go across the country to a conference. And what we're doing is bringing a conference here. We're bringing everything that you would get by flying halfway across the country or going away for a week. We're bringing it here and we're spreading it out over the course of a year so that it really gets embedded into your life. So I I encourage everyone, come to um, Finger of God next Friday night. And do stock them. We want everybody in the church to do uh, School of Kingdom Ministry. It's as simple as that. That's, that's, that's one of our heart goals for the church. So I have a couple of jokes for you to start. All right? All right, good. You're in a, you're in a, in a mood for laughter here. All right. So the first one is real simple. What do you call sad coffee? Depresso. Oh, come on, don't groan. That's not nice. How about this? Uh, This guy says, my girlfriend isn't talking to me, and she's really mad at me because she says I ruined her birthday. I'm not sure how I did that because I don't even know when her birthday is. (laughs) Dumb guys, huh? Speaking of dumb guys... There are these two guys at the bottom of a ditch digging away with their shovels, and they're not very bright, but their boss is up above them, sitting in shade. They're in the hot sun, working and sweating, and one of them said to the other, hey, why are we down here with the shovels? And he's just sitting up there watching. And um, so the, the, guy, he's, the other guy said, well, I'm going to go ask him. So he climbs up the ladder out of the ditch, and he goes to the boss and says, boss, he says, I got to ask you, why is it you're up here just sitting here in the shade while we're down there digging, uh, digging in the hot sun? And the boss says, well, the answer is intelligence. He says, let me give you an example of that. And the boss put his hand right up against a tree, and he said, no, I want you to punch my hand as hard as you can. So the guy winds up and, and comes across with a hard punch, and the, the boss pulls his hand off this last second. The guy hits the tree with his fist. And he says, it's intelligence. And so the guy says, okay, I get it. So he goes back down into the ditch, and his friend said, well, what did the boss say? And he said, well, the boss said it's all about intelligence. Let me illustrate it for you. And he looked around. There were no trees down there in the ditch. So he said, here, just punch my hand as hard as you can. <laughs> Okay, want me to do that again? Here, just punch my hand as hard as you can. Okay, that's funny. You get it? I mean, he's going to pull his hand away and the guy's going to punch him in the face. 
So this is because he's stupid. That's why it's funny. That's why it's funny. All right. We're going to talk about communion today. We're going to have communion later in the service. And at the beginning of this year, God gave me four messages to give to, give to the church body this year on communion. And I've already given two of them, one on the body and one on the blood. And today I'm going to give a message, and it's going to be focused on uh, communion as spiritual warfare. And we're going to relate back to the body of Christ a lot in this message, but you're going to see, uh, we're going to see in this how communion um, relates to spiritual warfare. It, and I, I had planned on praying at this point. In fact, I actually just kind of jotted down some thoughts on what I wanted to pray for at this moment earlier in the week. And I started with Father. That's a good way to start. I mean, that's how Jesus started his prayers all the time. Father, Father in heaven. And, um, and then Friday night, something happened that kind of changes my perspective on this. Friday night, Lori and I went to a church service in Kentucky, and it was at the Heritage Christian Center. It's a church pastor by Cletty Keith, and um, they have a service every Friday night called The River. And so Lori and I went down to it just to meet Cletty and, and just to see the church. And they had this great woman preacher. I gotta tell you, she, she preached, and she had tremendous insights in, into a variety of things. But at the very outset of her message, she said, God spoke to me just, just the other day and said this. He said, most of you don't want, most of you believers don't want a heavenly father. You want a heavenly grandfather. And she went on to describe the difference grandfather, the, the child comes to the grandfather and says, Grandpa, I want ice cream. And as I'm a grandfather. As grandfathers, we have our hands on the car keys faster than, 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 you, than, than uh, you can imagine and put our wallets in our pockets and we're take, let, let's go to Baskin Robbins right now. Makes no difference that dinner's in 30 minutes. My grandchild wants ice cream, she gets ice cream. If they want candy, they get candy. If they want to run around the house, you run around the house with them, jump on the chairs, that's okay. It's my grandchild. In fact, it's almost like as grandparents, we say to our grandchildren, just go do whatever you want to do. I will follow along behind you and, uh, and I'll take care of it and, I, and I'll be sure to bring my wallet so I'll pay for whatever you want paid for. That's kind of like, like a grandfather. That's what we do, okay? But what's a father do? When the kid says, can I have ice cream? The father says, no, dinner's in 30 minutes. You can't have ice cream right now, that's crazy. When, when the kid's jumping on the mother's favorite chair in the living room, the father says, hey, stop doing that. At least take your shoes off. You're, you're gonna get, get mud on your mother's chair. You know, when the child wants to stay up an extra hour to watch a television program, grandpa is probably gonna say yes. Dad, at least should say, nope, you have school tomorrow morning. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to get ready for school. So picture this. What, what if the kid comes home with a bad grade on a test? What's grandpa do? Oh, I know grandpa. What grandpa does is to say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Don't worry about it. You'll do better in the future. Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> you know? What's dad do? What's a good dad do? A good father a good father says, hey, now tell me, how, how did you get a D on that math test? How'd that happen? <coughs> well, Dad, I don't know. I studied. I paid attention in class. Well, wait a second. What day was the test? It was Thursday. Well, I kind of remember Wednesday night, you stayed up late to watch your favorite television program, 
and then you get a bad test on grade on your test the next day, is there any connection there? In fact, I think there is. And honey, if you don't learn how to do this math right now, you're gonna, you're gonna flunk the whole course. And so, hate to do this to you, but no TV until you can demonstrate to me that you can pass that test. You can get a B or better on that test. No TV until you do, so you've gotta study this, you've gotta learn it. I'm gonna call your teacher, in fact. And I'm gonna ask your teacher what I can do to help you learn this material. That's what a dad does. What a dad's job is, a father's job, is to save that child from themselves. Because we all have this propensity to go this way when we should be going that way. Grandpa, he might be tempted just to follow them that way. Not, 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 not literally, but it might be tempted. What dad, the dad said, hey, you're going the wrong way. That, no, you gotta come over here. This is the way to go. That's the dad's job. In fact, the dad even brings pressure into the child's life when the child's going this direction and, and doesn't care what the dad thinks. And, and so, do we want a heavenly grandfather who is just gonna bless everything in life that we want, everything we feel we need, everything, oh, oh, heavenly father, if I don't get this, I'm gonna be, dep- if I don't get this job, I'm gonna be so depressed. If this girl doesn't like me, oh, it's gonna be horrible, God. Please give me that girl as my girlfriend or, or, or whatever it might be. Is that what we want, a heavenly grandfather? Or are we gonna say, boy, thank God, thank you that you are a heavenly father and you don't let me just go off into stupid things that would be destructive for my life even though I don't see it. You pull me back. And you know, sometimes what he does, he speaks to us and we can't sleep because he's saying to us, hey, you were thinking about this thing all day long and you know what? Not only should you not be thinking about that all day long, you shouldn't be thinking about that at all. You gotta take care of that. Or you lied to your boss today. And, I'm, and, and we lie in bed and we just feel this sense of something's wrong, something's wrong. I gotta take care of this. I, and that's the father speaking to us. You know, we, the Bible calls it conviction, but not conviction in a, you know, a judgmental sense, but it's more like he convinces us. Conviction means con, he convinces us that what we did isn't good. It's not for our welfare and he convinces us to go a different direction. And so that's what we want, isn't it? I mean, I want a heavenly father. I mean, every once in a while, I want a heavenly grandfather, it seems, but uh, that's because I'm not thinking right at the moment. But we want a heavenly father, and I want us to make a declaration right now, and I want us to say, I want all of us to, if you can say it honestly, if you can't say this honestly, then just, no no one's gonna look around and see that your mouth's not moving. But I want to say, I want a heavenly father, okay? Let's say that together. One, two, three. I want a heavenly father. Now let's say this. I don't need a heavenly grandfather, okay? Ready? One, two, three. I don't need a heavenly grandfather. All right, so let's pray now, and I'm going to address God, our father, our heavenly father, okay? So Father, Father in heaven, thank you that you are the best Father anybody's ever had. Thank you that you love us, you love us immensely and passionately. Thank you that you are good and everything you do is good, 
thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you don't let us just drift off into destructive things in life, but you speak to our hearts. And you, you put roadblocks in our way and you turn us back to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness in that. And thank you that you do all of that without any judgment or condemnation. So, Father, um, as we're here today, we need to understand communion better. We need to understand the words of your son, Jesus, when he introduced it to us. We need to understand this better so we can follow you more closely and experience more fully what you have for us, Father. So we ask you to teach us. We say, Holy Spirit, third, third person of the Trinity, God present with us, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself in this room right now. Let us feel a tangible difference in the air around us. Draw our hearts and our minds deeper into you. Show us the things we need to know today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'm gonna start off by reading a passage to you from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. And uh, it's about communion. I'm gonna read it to you, then we're gonna look at a few aspects of it together, okay? So 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. This is a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and he's teaching them about communion. And he says this, he said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, he broke the bread and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, later in this passage, Paul writes something else about the body, the bread particularly. He says that many of the Corinthians have become weak, physically weak, sick, and some have even died because they did not understand what it meant to partake of the body of Christ in communion. Now, what some people would do is interpret it this way. Because they misunderstood what the body of Christ meant in communion, they misappropriated it, they didn't, they didn't really honor Christ by taking communion, and so God made them weak as judgment, or God made them sick, or God even made some of them die. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this, that because they didn't understand the full impact of the communion celebration, and particularly of the body in the communion celebration, because they didn't understand the full impact of that, they missed out on the healing that was available to them. And so they didn't avail themselves of everything that God had provided due to a lack of insight and understanding. And insight and understanding would have produced faith on their part. And so when we see this, and he says here that it's, uh, this is my body which is for you, we need to understand what that means. I gave a message on this the first Sunday of January, but um, I've gotten some more insights into it since then, so I'm gonna talk about this uh, a little as a setup for the whole spiritual warfare part. And, and it's interesting and significant 
that, well, if, if I gave you this, if, if I said this, this is my body, blank for you, what, what, what's the answer to that? Anybody that's gone to church for a while, what's the answer? This is my body, blank for you. What's the word? Broken. That's how it's most often quoted. Do you know that's not in the Bible? It doesn't say this is my body broken for you. It says he broke the bread and then he said, distributed it, and he said, this is my body for you. Now, there's a big difference in those two things. If it was, this is my body broken for you, then it would refer back to the historical event of Jesus dying on the cross. And it does refer to that. His body did hang on the cross, and that is a, the part of our redemption, his body and his blood, the shedding of his body, giving of his body, the shedding of his blood, the giving of his life. But it would make it a historical fact, something that happened 2,000 years ago, that if you believe in, you, you get forgiven. You get forgiveness through that. But when he says, this is my body for you, it makes it more than just a past act done on our behalf, and it brings it into a current reality. Because he said that we were supposed to do this communion event until he returns. And he says, this is my body for you. And so his body for us, it means that there's an ongoing accessibility to the body of Christ through communion, particularly the bread in communion. And you might ask, well, what's so significant about that? Why do we, why do we want to have an ongoing accessibility to the body of Jesus, to his physical, to his physical body? And why is that so important? And it's important because of this. In the ministry of Jesus, with his body, he touched people and released healing to them. Power flowed through his body into them and healed them. But more significantly even than that, for this purpose this morning, people touched him and were healed. Read several times in the, in the Gospels that crowds thronged around him and all they wanted to do was to reach out and touch Jesus. And if they could just, just reach out and just touch him just for an instant, the power of God would flow into their bodies and they would be instantly healed. And even more than that, thousands of times it happened this way because it, it says this in, three, in uh, two of the Gospels very clearly that they were just trying to reach out and touch his garment. They didn't even, get, didn't even have to touch his body. You didn't even have to make contact with him. You know how like if you're playing tag and you, and you reach out and you, get, you just touch their shirt and then you have a big, any of you ever play tag as kids? Okay, what happens after that? I got you. No, you didn't, you just touched my shirt. Well, is the shirt part of the, it, for Jesus, you didn't even have to make physical contact with his body if you just touched the clothes he was wearing. As he walked by and his, and his cloak is swirling out, if you just reached out like this and just for, just for that instant you touched it, the power of God flowed and you were healed. And so what Jesus is saying here is that he is making that accessibility to us today. Because most of us, we, we would pray and say, oh God, touch me, Jesus, touch me. Jesus, touch me and heal me. But thousands of people, they didn't sit back and say, oh Jesus, touch me and heal me. They said, if I touch him, I'll be healed. 
they had faith to do that. And God's power flowed that way. It was just part of God's whole plan. I don't know how they discovered it. Somebody probably was disappointed that Jesus hadn't prayed for them. And they ran after him and reached out and maybe touched his arm to say, Jesus, you didn't pray for me. And when they touched his arm, they were healed. Then they went and told somebody else, and you know how word spreads, and pretty soon everybody's coming just saying, all right, all right, all I have to do is touch him. You know the woman that, uh, that touched him, the woman that had an illness for years and years that she struggled with, and Jesus is pressing through this crowd of people, and uh, the woman says to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She didn't make that up. That was common knowledge, but she was, she was going to do it. She, she had faith to do that. And so as Jesus is walking by, she reached out and just swiped and just, she didn't, she didn't have to grab hold of it and run behind him or, or anything. She just reached out and just, just hit it like that and she was healed instantly. Now, Jesus stops at that moment and he said, somebody touched me. And you know what the apostles said to him? They said, are you crazy? You, you, you've been touched 25 times since you said that. Two seconds ago, there are people all around you touching you. And then Jesus said, no, no, no. This touch was different. Somebody touched me with faith. And I felt power flow out of me because they believed, they had faith, and they reached out and they touched me. And so it is the touching with faith. The touching with trust in the goodness of God that if I just touch his son, I just, I just touch him, I'm going to be healed. In fact, if I just touch his cloak, if I just touch his shirt tail as he walks by, I'm going to be healed. And they were healed. And so now Jesus is saying to us, this bread, this is my body. This is my body given for you. This is my body. That, it does say that in Luke. But this is my body for you. And that, that crosses over the barriers of time and makes it a current reality and means we have accessibility, just like that woman did, who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. We have accessibility to the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful that they didn't have to actually touch him because this bread doesn't really become the body of Christ. We don't believe that. It, it doesn't really, any more than his cloak was his body, okay? His shirt wasn't himself. The shirt wasn't Jesus. The, the cloak he wore wasn't Jesus. But it was pretty close. It was attached to Jesus, wasn't it? So power flowed through that shirt and into people's lives and they were healed. And, and what Jesus is saying when he says, yeah, this is my body, what he's saying is, look, I'm making a declaration right now that this event, when the body of Christ gathers and you practice this event in the remembrance of me, to honor me. When that happens, and you come to this bread, and you touch this bread, this is a touch point connecting you to me, just like touching my cloak was a touch point connecting you to me. And so when we touch it with faith, the power of God does flow. And again, the bread doesn't become Jesus any more than the cloak was Jesus. But it's a touch point of faith for us. Now, the way that relates to the whole idea of deliverance, uh, really understanding this is, um, is really a powerful thing. And it takes time for us to absorb this. It takes time for the Holy Spirit to show this to us in a deeper and deeper, really, revelation from him. 
And so it's, it's something we need to ponder. Go away thinking about it. Go away praying. Lie down tonight in bed and say, Jesus, show me. Show me what that means. What does it mean that the bread's a touch point of faith with you? Show, what, what did it mean that people touched your cloak and they were healed? Give me insight into that. And stir my faith. Stir my heart. And as we do, we gain deeper and deeper revelation into, it's not just these words that I'm speaking, but deeper insight that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it stirs our faith. And there's healing then when we come to communion. But I want to read this to you. <clears throat> not only did, um, uh, did Jesus say, this is my body for you, but look at Luke 6, 18 and 19. I'm going to read it to you. And here's what it says. It says, a great throng of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. So this is like 50-mile circle out there. People from all over are coming 25, 30 miles, maybe up to 50, a radius like that. They're coming to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. It's the, it's the Greek word therapeuo, which is where we get therapeutic from in our language, and we know that it means healed. They were being healed, they were being freed of demonic oppression. And it says, all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming out from him and healing them all. And here it doesn't say they touched his garment, but in, um, in, in um, Matthew and Mark it does, and later in Luke it does with the woman that, that I already made reference to earlier. And so touching Jesus brought not only physical healing, but it brought as well relief from demonic oppression. And, and let, I just want to get this out here, okay? Because uh, we, you know, we have all these spooky ideas about the spirit world and what it means to have de- demons and demonic oppression. And um, boy, you know, people are probably thinking, well, I hope there are no demons here. And, or I hope I never encounter a demon. Well, look, we all, we all encounter demons. We all come under spiritual attack. We all have thoughts put into our minds that are the opposite of what God wants us to do, and it wasn't my thought, although it comes in sounding like my thought. And what I found is a lot of times when, the, when, when a, an evil spirit speaks into our minds, he uses the first person. So it's not, hey, you, you think this. It is, yeah, I think I must be a loser, It comes in in the first person, so it sounds like it's me thinking it. So we all have spiritual, we all come under spiritual attack. I mean, some some more than others. Some of us have cooperated with it unknowingly, unwittingly, and we've embraced bitterness. And if 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 a person embraces bitterness and unforgiveness, then I open myself up to more spiritual attack, stronger spiritual attack. If I open myself up to me thinking that I need what I need when I need it, and I deserve it, then I open myself up to being led a different direction than God wants me to go, and sometimes then that becomes a compulsive thing. Now, I'm not saying that all compulsion or all mental issues or anything like that are are demons, uh, but... I mean, there are, there are physical things that happen in our brains that make us depressed and things like that as well. But if that happens, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that there's going to be some evil spirits that are going to try to take advantage of it and, and try to oppress the person further because of that. 
And so we all, we all have that to some degree happening in our lives. But what this is telling us is that just as people were healed physically by touching Jesus, having that touch point with his body, so people are freed, can be freed from demonic oppression and intrusion into their life through this event of communion. And, 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 and again, it might be just long-term bitterness that I can't seem to get, I just can't seem to forgive. I can't seem to release it. Or it might be a compulsion sexually, uh, pornography or some other um, s- sexual thing. Or, or it might be this nagging thought that am I, am I really a boy or am I a girl? Am I a male or a female? How do I identify? What, and to that, I just want to say this. Let's just be simple about this, okay? Let's say if you have female parts, you're a female. If you have male parts, you're a male. And your emotions are not your identity, okay? Your emotions are not your identity. And so, but, but there could be all these different types of deceptions that could be going on in our lives and all sorts of addictions related to it. And, um, and so there's freedom, okay? There's freedom when we come to the communion because we get to touch this touch point with the body of Jesus. We get to reach out and touch his, the hem of his garment. And when we do, we're freed. And that's, that's, that's what we're looking for is freedom so that we can, uh, because that's what God wants for us because we're his children. Now, he goes on and he says, By doing this communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're proclaiming the power and the life that comes through the death of Christ. And when it says death here, it's not isolating death. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. We, We are declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. Now who are we declaring that to? Uh, for years, I thought that meant this meant well, communion is evangelistic. But how many, you know, how many unbelievers actually come around to see communion? Not very many. Some might, and that might be an impactful time. That's a great time. If there's anyone here who has never accepted Jesus as your Savior, what a great way to do it—to take communion, to say, "All right, by walking up here at this moment, I am declaring to all of heaven that I am a follower of Jesus Christ." Great way to start your Christian life. But the declaration that we're making is to ourselves. I'm saying, look, I've chosen my path. Some might follow Krishna. Some might follow the current political trend. Some, some might follow some... Flo- I follow Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my hope. He is where I put everything. So it's a declaration to my own heart. Now, as well as a declaration to heaven and to all the angels. And do you know the angels, there's a verse in uh, 1 Peter that says something remarkable. It, it, 1 Peter 1.12 says this. It says it was revealed to them, meaning the prophets of the Old Testament, that they were not serving themselves but you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And this gospel, he goes on and says, things into which angels long to look. See, angels are just dumbfounded. They are awestruck at the salvation Jesus has provided to human beings. They want to understand it because it glorifies God. And angels are in the presence of God and they want to understand God more. 
And so they look at what's happened in our lives and they're just, their minds are blown. And when we do communion, this is a moment in which we are declaring to them the goodness of the Father in heaven and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Now as well, we're declaring to the demonic world. We're making a declaration to them as well. And again, I'm a Jesus person. I'm a Jesus guy. I'm following him. He is my life. And it is a reminder to the demonic world of their ultimate defeat and the fact that their power's been taken away and the only thing they have left to do now is try to deceive us because their power is gone. And so it's a, it's a powerful proclamation. Well, I asked um, one of our staff members here who teaches our prophetic classes, uh, Micah Turnboat, to come up and share a few thoughts on this because Micah is, in prophetic uh, thinking, we would call him a seer. What the, there are different types of prophetic giftings. A seer is someone who sees into the spirit world. So you and I are sitting here and we're just worshiping away and Micah is seeing angels and, and other spirit, spiritual beings from the spirit world with, with his eyes. He sees it. And so that's pretty fantastic, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty amazing. But I want to tell you, don't honor him for that, Okay. Because we all are gifted. Honor him because he's a man of integrity. Honor him because he's a man who loves Jesus. Honor him because he has a humble heart. Do you know Micah and I met for two and a half years weekly before I ever gave him a microphone? You know, he took my prophetic class twice before he got to teach his own. That's humility. And, and that's, why, that's why he is where he is. And so I want you to welcome Micah up. He's going to talk to us a little bit about what he sees. Come on up, Micah. Thanks, Van. You're awesome. You know, he, what's so amazing about Van is, yeah, he's, he's my pastor, and, and he's amazing, but we're friends. And I really, really enjoy spending time with him. A lot of our meetings, you know, we talk about cool stuff, but a lot of it is just him trying to throw trash in the garbage can and missing and, you know, <laughs> us coming up with, with, one, with, with games and things. So I really enjoy spending time with him. But yeah, so uh, I have this gift that the Lord gives me, um, gave me. Uh, it's, I can see in the spirit realm. Um, had wonderful parents uh, who helped steward that, um, taught me wonderful things, simple things, uh, for example, thanking the Lord. That's so powerful in my life, always expressing an, a gratitude to the Lord for what I see. So, um, yeah, what I wanted to share with you is, yeah, about angels. There are real spiritual beings, okay, uh, all around you all the time. In fact, you are actually more supernatural than you realize, okay? You interact with angels quite often, even when you're not aware of them, okay? So, in this church, we have about 2,000 angels that fill this building, and some of them stand about 15 feet tall. We have 300 angels that work with house group, 75 angels that work with children's ministry, and 30 that work with the youth group, and then the rest of them, I have no idea what they do. Okay, they, they move around, up and down, they do all kinds of things. And it's so interesting because how do they fill this building? <laughs> I, I, there are 15 feet of them in this building, 2,000 of them. 
That's the, the spirit world is just like, well, it's just amazing. <laughs> it just goes beyond science sometimes. I, um, one of their favorite things is communion. They love to watch communion. And they'll line up against the walls, large ones. And what they look like is like when you uh, see the sky filled with fireworks, the explosion of color of fireworks, that's what it looks like on the inside of them. That's the glory of the Lord inside of them. Some of them have wings that extend out. I mean, long, large wings that go past here. They're very large wings. Some have wings that, that extend out, and some of them don't have wings. And there are warriors present that are in armor, and they have huge swords, and they hold them, and they stand at attention like this. And they're huge, huge swords. I wouldn't want to be hit with that. And then there's some that are dressed very royal looking. And they stand with their uh, hands behind their back. And they are smiling. They are enjoying the moment. They are enjoying what's happening. And this is what it means to them. What it, what it means to them when they watch us take communion. It's the sons of God, that's you, are partaking in the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. So, you have hope. You're not alone. You are not alone. <laughs> I hear angelic music. Yeah, that's angelic music. <laughs> yeah. That's angelic music. So I just hope that that encourages you, that makes you excited, you know, to do this. So when you're taking communion, I know that there's a whole company of angels. Sometimes the ceiling is removed, and I can see a whole bunch of them, lots of them looking down on us. And, they're, and they're, they're, their faces are like lightning. Their faces are like lightning. So God bless you guys and have fun today, okay? Thank you, Micah. All right, we're going to move ahead with our service right now. Later in the service, we're going to do a fire tunnel, okay? And uh, so that's going to be an exciting moment, but that'll come at the end of the worship set. Right now, I want you to grab the offering basket if you're on the left side of the row. And this is not a mundane thing. As you touch that, just thank Jesus for his provision in your life. Pass it down and say, thank you, Jesus. And uh, thank you for how you give here. It really, it really makes this whole place possible. Literally, we would not be here. Uh, this place was just shut down if we didn't have this giving. And so um, it's awesome, awesome to see. God stir your hearts and you respond. So those that are gonna serve communion can make their way to the back and begin to prepare right now for that. And what we're gonna do for our communion service, there will be servers here in the front as well as servers in the back, and not one is not more holy than the other. Um, so you can go either place. And you, you come and you pick up that little wafer. It's, um, it's, it's, it's like unleavened bread. The bread they had was flat bread because they put no yeast in it. So we, we use a little cracker to represent that. But when you touch that, you, I want you to picture in your mind that woman reaching out and touching the hem of Jesus' garment and the power that flowed through her life and that brought healing to her as she did that. 
And, and I want you just to say, for whatever healing you need, whether it's freedom from oppressive thoughts or from uh, some other more inner issue, heart issue, or, or mind issue, or whether it's physical healing, I want you to come with that in mind and, and just be saying to God, God, I'm, I'm, I'm here to receive from you, to receive healing from you and wholeness and freedom from you today, okay? And as soon as the communion is finished, you're welcome to come to the front. In fact, I encourage you to come to the front. You know, get out of your comfort zone, come to the front, and, and just, just bathe in God's presence. And when you get out of your comfort zone, something unique takes place in your life. And so our prayer is that everyone here today is going to experience a powerful, tangible touch from God. And the, the blood, as, as, as we said, the cup, we take that wafer and we dip it in the cup, and then you eat it. It's the blood of Jesus that is the new covenant for us. It's the blood of Jesus that leans in the direction of our forgiveness and our cleansing and our new identity and our wholeness as human beings, the way God created us to be. And so I'm going to pray and worship will start and the servers will make their way down here when they're ready. And then you're welcome just to get up and come when you like to. If you're here and you believe in Jesus, you're welcome to partake in this, even if this is your first time here, okay? So Father God, thank you. Thank you that uh, we get to worship you this way, this wonderful way, that the wonderful way that you gave to us, Jesus, that you stated, you, you, you told us what to do here. And so we're just obeying you right now. We come to you to worship you and to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Couldn't we do this all day? <laughs> yeah, what fun it is to know Jesus. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, I hate to say we're going to end this, but yeah, we've got to. And uh, so we have prayer teams that will be here at the front. And, and you can come up for any prayer need you have, okay? Like healing some emotional issue you're struggling with, a decision you have to make, a relationship. We'd like to pray for you no matter what. And, and we're, we're seeing God touch people powerfully. Guy last night in healing rooms, um, I was told had real pain in his shoulder and it was healed instantly. Don't know exactly what was wrong there, but uh, couldn't, couldn't lift his arm up, but he could afterwards. So, But um, yeah, here's the thing. Joy is the atmosphere of heaven. And George and Banov, when he was here, did I really tell you this? I, uh, okay. When George and Banov was here, he, he told us, he taught us that joy freaks demons out. Joy in Jesus, the joy of Jesus freaks demons out. 
And so let's let's walk out of here with the joy of Jesus, okay? Go out of here smiling like a like an idiot, okay? Everyone's gonna look at you and gonna say, is this guy crazy or what? But you're just gonna walk with the joy of Jesus in your life, and they're gonna get it eventually, okay? Okay, so I just bless this place with freedom, 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 and the joy of Jesus in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next week.